0: Welcome to another podcast from Critical Geeks. Today we're going to be talking the Final Fantasy VII Remake. Um, One of us has actually played it, one of us has watched a spoiler review, and one of us seems quite dead set against it without having played it as of yet.
1: I've played it, I've finished it, I'm appalled that Daniel's watched a spoiler review. Um, (laughs) Look at all that work. (laughs) <laughs> and wait, the you know all the work the team of making it have done, and the freaking what twenty-year weight that gamers you played it originally have had, and then to just watch a spoiler review—it just seems insane.
2: I watched a spoiler review as well because I have been on the decline of wanting to play it. But I watched a spoiler review because I heard about the controversy (finger quotes) of the ending. So why did you watch a ending review, Daniel?
0: Because I wanted better context on what it actually meant. Because, like, from what you said, like originally, I heard a rumor that there was like some stupid time travel involved and this, that, and the other. And I was like, well, that's a bit shit. So I wanted to, to actually kind of see what it really was. And I'm I'm quite in favor of it. I mean, I guess at this point, we should probably
1: give a bit too late, but give a, a spoiler warning out that if you've not played Final Fantasy VII Remake and want to, this conversation is undoubtedly going to enter spoiler territory. I mean, I guess in terms of anticipation for the game, I guess if you start when it was announced, um, I wasn't that fussed when it was announced. It was so 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 long ago. Um, I hadn't yeah. ever finished the original. Um, as you all know, I'm a latecomer. To Final Fantasy is a franchise. Seven um, had all this. G-Math. Yeah, Final Fantasy Seven had all this kind of hype and mystique around it, and yeah. So before remake came out, I you know put some time in, finished the original enjoyed the original um hated certain characters like didn't care about cloud in the slightest which i'll be honest i'll mostly blame advent children for because of how he's characterizing oh, God, that this like awful. whingy emo and then i couldn't stand Aerith or heiress however you want to say it based on you know when you first played the game um i hated her i absolutely hated her but she's pretentious stuck up i want one of the you want a flower i was like no i don't Look, go away um <laughs> About forty-five minutes into me, you know, in remake, I was completely beside with her, and she's amazing, and I completely love her. Now. I love Cloud. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> the characterization in this game. I mean, I know it's kind of reasonable to expect that technology advances twenty years, and characters that are just text boxes twenty years ago now have voice actors and actual scripts and lines and cutscenes, and so much more there for you as a characterization concern. It's it's fantastic. Like all the characters are amazing, um, whether or not you like or dislike
0: them. Aside the fact that they now have more of a character is the characters, great. The fact they've brought it into the modern age. Like, it's going back, like, as a fan of Final Fantasy VII that played it probably seven or eight times, like, it's nice to have a modern day version so that a story can kind of be brought to almost like a new generation. Because I've said for like years and years that as far as story goes, it is the most fantastic story of any game that I've ever played. Based on
1: the purely the original, I would say it's a tad convoluted and there are moments of seemingly needless melodrama. But then you have to take in the, the wider Final Fantasy VII story, so you need to look at Crisis Core and Dirge Cerberus and the stuff that Square had planned that didn't make the final cut of Final Fantasy VII. A lot of the kind of bits that I've... Like, like for instance, when you're right near the end of Final Fantasy VII original and you're off to confront Sephiroth, but for some reason... Hojo's prattling about in Midgar, so you've got to go back to Midgar to find out that he's the father. And I'm like, wait, what? Am I watching like a telenovela now? Like, Why have you suddenly derailed me going to confront the gang's villain and give me this random shock revelation? And then obviously you go and finish the game. But to me, that was just a bit like, oh, all right. I'm just a bit naff. Hey, don't go for it, Sephiroth yet.
0: Take a right turn back to Midgar and watch a cutscene about Hojo. And I'm like, that kind of brings me to a point that I wanted to make. That I don't think it should have been called remake. It should have been reforged or like something along those lines. Because, like, use a, a bit of an analogy. So, if you use like Lord of the, uh, Lord of the Rings, you've got like the shards of Narsil, and they basically reforged that to make a new sword. That's essentially what they've done with Final Fantasy Seven. They've took the base material and reforged that into something new. Like, it's not an out and out remake, which I know is what put Neil off it quite a bit, really, really in favour of it, because it's it's like a new experience, like a different twist on this thing that I loved first time around anyway. Yeah, I mean, I'd entirely agree. If 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 we'd only got that announcement trailer five years ago at E3, nothing since,
1: and then this game had dropped. I would understand why fans are upset. Um, But what I find really weird about the fan reaction to the ending, now, spoilers here, you basically play the game up until up until the, kind of the, the chase scene at the end of Lee and the Shimra building. And the game, all the kind of major plot points are the same up until that point. And then Sephiroth confronts you and you basically wind up fighting fate, the weird ghost called Whispers that you see throughout the game. They're the protectors of fate and it's their job to make sure that the timeline proceeds the way it's supposed to and destiny proceeds the way it's supposed to. So there are several moments in the game where they directly intervene. Like at one point Aerith goes to fall off of a the balcony in the church and two of them catch her to make sure she doesn't die when she's, you know, not supposed to. Um at one point Hojo goes to tell Cloud that he was never actually a soldier. Um, and they like grab Hojo and drag him away. So there's loads of points where as a fan who's already played the yeah. original, it's like, haha, they're trying to stop this bit, and that's really cool. I mean,
0: but That's a discussion I had with Neil as well, actually. Like something like we kind of disagree on on whether that's good or bad. But I love the fact that the original PS1 version it's not been retconned, you, like you're playing a, in that game, you're essentially playing the version of events that is supposed to happen, so that now you get this different twist on it and that you, you're actively kind of rewriting fate as you go, or trying to at least. It's one without the other. They're almost like a, a sequel rather than a remake, because if you hadn't played the first you wouldn't know how it's deviating from that.
1: What I find weird about people being upset about this though is that from pretty much the second trailer, you knew things were going to be different. And I have this really hard time balancing people's complaints about things changing. With them adding stuff, and I'm like, well, additional material, and expanded material, is a change. So, yeah. why are you okay for them to add mini-quests, and a side story, and a whole new character in Roche? Why is all that okay? But changing what happens at the end of the game with the kind of fate and destiny stuff, why isn't that okay? So, it's the usual people are like, oh, well, they've they give me more stuff, which is great, but they've changed a bit at the end. I don't like it. So, like, well, if you're a diehard purist, just play Final Fantasy VII original. You're not even the freaking Steam re-release. Get your PS1 out, play the original. Fair enough. I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. Just there you go. But to criticize remake for changing the end, but also like, applauding it for having expanded materials, just seems weird to me. But like, they've taken that's an eight-hour it. section of Midgar and turned it into like a fifty-hour playthrough. Like, well, that's not the same, is it? And then that's before that's you even get the onto
0: the it, though, I think. combat. Because, like, essentially, like, the remake... I heard a rumour that the remake part of it is done. The next kind of follow-on from this isn't going to be called remake, because at this point, all cards are off the table. Like, they've broke fate, anything can happen, and you're essentially in unexplored territory. And if I would have been disappointed if they'd have given us a carbon copy remake, uh, just with up-to-date graphics, because I know the story... Like well, nothing would have surprised me, nothing would have like grabbed me as much.
1: On that point, that's where you can bring Neil in because Neil, I think, is like the majority of the fan base that basically wanted a four K remaster with glorious graphics. He basically wanted the tech demo Sony showed off years ago. He wanted Swan them to look
2: like that but play exactly like the original. So one of my counterpoints to what you've just said is is you said that you can't moan about an ending change if it's added added content. Now, if I gave Daniel the extended versions of Lord of the Rings, but the ending was changed completely, I think he'd be annoyed.
1: Well, no, I didn't say you can't complain that the ending's changed if you're happy for expanded content. Just that people are upset that there's been changes made to a game they love, but the additions are also changes. So you're basically just picking and choosing the changes you do and don't like, and then flagging off an entire production, entire game based on one of those changes. And but aren't most
2: editions Usually, just expansions rather than. This is the point. Like the end. The problem with, with me in the new Final Fantasy seven is, is probably it's probably the worst thing they can do for me is that they've changed the end literal five minutes, which is a hint that they're going to change, as Daniel said, the entire then ongoing process. If it was slight changes to the story in general, I don't think I'd be less annoyed. Sort of change seems to hint at a completely new version of the story. Rather than just additions. And that's not what I'm keen on. I was I mean, in that
0: I, camp of just a straight visual remaster. I, I just I mean, want to weigh in here. Like, this is um, unusual for me, like, to, like, I know I'm kind of jumping in quite a lot. Um, but as like a, a massive fan of Final Fantasy VII for the past 20 years, I'm probably going to have quite a few things to say on this. But uh, my original point was going to be with the remake, uh, Train of Thoughts Gone. Bear with me a
1: sec.
0: Okay, well, what Daniel thinks.
2: Um, I, I mean, I'll make a prediction now, Ryan. If I do play it, I'll probably enjoy it. The combat, maybe not. We'll see. And I'll get up to the ending and just go, oh. I mean, the problem you've got is we've got the, you've got the ending
1: to one chapter of a story that we don't know how many chapters it's going to be. So my predictions would be that initially cloud will stop Aerith from dying but then realize that that's had a detrimental effect on the timeline and that essentially the events of the original game all have to unfold the way they did destiny to get where it's supposed to be so while they are trying to defile fate i think mean, ultimately he'll realize you can't do that and um, because that's what sephiroth's aim is sephiroth will somehow realize that he's going to fail and not well not achieve what he wants in the way he wants to so he's trying to defy fate and he's at one point tries to get cloud to join him on that mission Essentially, if changing fate is the aim of Sephiroth, I feel like at some point Cloud's going to have to become like the arbiter of fate and actually make sure. You know what? She does need to die because if she doesn't die, the
0: world's worse off down the road. Because I mean, she's like connection with the planet and stuff, and, and she's not again sacrificing herself for the greater good. Probably we don't know yet, do I mean? That's that's something like it's hard to
1: criticise an entire story. We're kind of trying to guess where the story's is going to go now that it has somewhat changed.
0: They'd have done an exact carbon copy. I would have liked it, but there wouldn't be this kind of like, ooh, what's going to happen next? I wouldn't be invested in it as, as such, because it's it's just a retelling of the, the exact same story. And one of the things I was going to say, the point that I lost, was if you look at Final Fantasy Seven, it was a fantastic game, like well ahead of its time, best game ever for a long time after it was released. But anything else that ties into that, frankly, was quite shit. And back in, in the day when we played Final Fantasy VII, I was a kid, so I couldn't go out and buy games. And you look at the amount of spin-offs from Final Fantasy VII, like, say, Crisis Core, Dirge of Cerberus, and all that. I never experienced them, and I heard that they were kind of bad games anyway. So I love that they're kind of pulling all the stories into one cohesive game, essentially. So all that extra content and all that extra lore and all the the extra bits... I can kind of see them all coming together in just one game now. And I think it comes to people get
1: protective over things they're fans of. Um, I'm the same with like a ton of like nerd culture. Um, and I guess I've mellowed out in my uh, old age somewhat. But I mean, when I was in my late teens, early twenties and I'd go see a comic movie and it wasn't exactly the way I'd experienced it from the comic, I get really angry about it. And nowadays I'm like, well, this change hasn't doesn't stop me accessing the original material, so I'm not particularly upset that they've changed it. I mean, I guess the most recent example of me getting upset of uh, change was when we watched the Birds of Prey movie and Cassandra Kane was completely wasted.
0: But then it's like, well, I've got I've got a bit of an example actually. Um, if you so just slightly off topic, but if you look at Resident Evil Two, do you remember the DLC they did for the remake of that? And it was basically a bunch of what if scenarios for other people. And I said this to Neil: What if? doesn't mean shit like it's an if it's not canon it's not happened whereas a retelling which is what final fantasy 7 remake has done it it almost includes the original and it's it's like i say it's rewriting it like it's not a, a hypothetical what if because what ifs don't matter no one asked for a remake no one asked for
2: them to change the story for years and years and years people have gone remake final fantasy 7 remake final fantasy 7 no one asked for like an alternate storytelling
0: Theoretically, know, Neil. look at the amount of ports you can get it on like uh, the switch you can get it on playstation 4 you can get it on on probably your phone like the if people want a carbon copy remake there's plenty of ways for them to to go back and, and enjoy that game i
1: mean there's only so much but they can do with that i mean ev- anything so you've got the original ps1 version and the international release and then you've got the steam there's like the steam release the steam release is the release you basically get anywhere other than the the Remake, so if you buy it on your PlayStation, you switch your phone, your iPad, whatever, that's the Steam release, and then you've got yeah. the original Steam release and then now Remake Um, Anyone I think who, they, who honestly expected Square to do a carbon copy remake of the game and just make it look pretty is you know, a little bit insane to be honest, I mean, the Japanese mentality is always forwards, never backwards It's why Sony always take a ton of convincing to include backwards compatibility in their consoles, because they're like well, we want to go forwards, not back." So the idea of Square investing this much money to not do something creatively new, I don't know why anyone would assume that's what they would have done in the to begin with.
0: But, I mean, my argument has always been for Final Fantasy VII being one of the best games, the story is what gives it that title. Like, the story is fantastic. So from that perspective, like, it sounds like I should be in the other camp of like, oh, don't tinker with my precious story. But I love the fact it's a continuation of it. it it's still... Has a, the original has a place and the remake it's that same point again. If it was just a carbon copy, I wouldn't have the emotional investment because I'd know how things ultimately were going to end out and I'd just be going through the motions to get there. Like, I'd get bored of the graphics eventually. Like, I'd, I'd put it on for the first 10 minutes and be like, same story, new graphics, all pretty. But but that's what Resident Evil Two and Three were. They were most ninety
2: percent carbon copies. Everyone loved that it was a modernization. Like Resident Evil Two and Three are great examples to me of what Seven I would have liked Seven to be.
1: That's a fair point. I mean I'm playing Resident Evil 2 at the minute. I still haven't finished it. Um, but it does Yeah, it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like they've changed Resident Evil 2. It feels like a like a, like a, yeah, like a, a snazzier retelling of the same story. Um, I mean they have changed things and there's entire chunks missing from Evil 3 from right here but again if anyone expected them to keep exactly the same I think they were fooling themselves um, I would recommend playing it anyway because watching someone's interpretation of the somewhat confusing ending to 7 Remake I don't think just justice I mean that's a really confusing part of the story and when I got to that part of the game I was like it was almost like when you watched the Return of the King in the cinema I was like oh it will end now because obviously I know how the story goes I get to the end of the, the chase and I that's it. And then all of a sudden, you know, one wing angel starts blaring in and Sephros floating in the sky and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa what's going on here? And I so, sat up in my chair like this isn't this yeah. isn't happening. What's this? This is this is new. This shouldn't be happening the way it's happening. What's going on here? Um but because the whispers are kind of threaded throughout the story.
0: You already know that, like, well, these weren't in the original game. Like, what's what happening here? Well, like, with you saying about Lord of the Rings, Ryan, I've said to Neil before now that I wish I could erase Lord of the Rings from my memory so I can experience it for the first time again. And that's essentially what the Final Fantasy VII Remake is doing. I mean, having having played the game, it it
1: doesn't feel careless. The, the changes feel like... To be honest, they mostly feel like they're coming from a... A position of creative freedom or at least a desire for creative freedom because again people are going to spend many 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 hours working on this game and there's millions of dollars being spent producing the game um, and when you find out that obviously it was directed by Tetsu Nomura um, which remember laugh my friend Laura sent me a meme the other day um, that was a clip from Tropic Thunder and you know the scene where Robert Downey Jr's character was like you never go full yeah. retard it was that but it was you never go full Nomura because of you know look at the Kingdom Hearts story if you want to yeah weird, timey, me, confusing stuff. Um,
2: I but, think, well, think to me, that's my biggest criticism with the remake. I, yes, I haven't played it, and I probably will. I will play it, but I probably won't enjoy what's going to happen. Is that some biggest criticism? I don't like that type of... I don't think that type of story is, for me, well, the I whole done, change anything, this, change this, If you this don't like the Final
0: Fantasy VII 7 remake, we have a product for you, just buy the old version. Well, then, Well But that's not a fair point, is it, when like...
2: I and many people asked for a remake and asked for years and years and years, and what they've given us is not what was actually asked. And quite frankly, not, no one asked for a retelling of
0: the story that would change so everything. What would you fundamentally get if, if they delivered exactly what you wanted? Beyond prettier graphics and maybe a different game engine, what else would you get from that remake? Uh, so exactly the same story, but like Resident Evil Two did, it added
2: on. It added more stuff. Like you, like Ryan said, there's a new character, harasses Cloud. That's what. That's great, and the fact there's more dialogue, or expanded dialogue, or extensions of the dialogue to add more to the characters. That's great. But, okay, but the problem is, is without the main story being, which sounds, it sounds. It sounds like it's going to shift the main story into like a wibbly wobbly Doctor Who time. We've got to change this, or you can't do that type scenario. And it's not. That's not really. That's not really for me.
1: I mean, uh, well, my question would be: Why is the addition of Roche okay? But
2: the Whisperer's not. Because it's this weird fourth wall breaking of this has already happened, so we're going to wink wink. and o-. It sounds like a game that they've made exclusively for fans of the game that have already played it. Like, it's incredibly unfair to one who's never played it before and wants to play maybe the modernised version. I mean, when I finished original about, what, a month and a half ago, and I finished
1: remake, what, four days ago, um, there are certainly, there are definitely nods. The, 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 it does feel at times slightly tongue in cheek. Um, when you look more into the behind the scenes kind of stuff, the guys that kind of wrote the key scenarios for the Remake were also involved in writing most of the scenarios for the 13 trilogy. Um, I don't mind the kind of. If it was time travel, I'd be completely with you. The changing yeah. f- destiny and confronting your fate, that theme is present throughout Final Fantasy as a franchise. The first, what? Three games are solely focused on the chosen ones whose destiny it is to bring you know, light to the world. All of the 13 truly is about not having to accept your fate, being able to choose your own destiny. So don't
0: those elements... Ryan. Mums can be strong too.
1: Mums are tough, is the phrase, Daniel. Mums are but tough. But
0: those Uh-oh.
2: games don't break their own fourth <laughs> wall, which is what Final Fantasy 7 sounds like it's doing. But it, it, I mean, it's not like at any
1: point Cloud looks at the camera and winks. Um Yeah. Or you'll basically be... Or you're told from the game's perspective is that these Whisperers are there to protect Destiny and make sure that fate unfolds the way it's supposed to. If but you wouldn't it do this- it anyway. But if you're like- playing yeah, but if you're playing this game for the first time having not played the original, you're not aware of things that need to stay in place, the story not to offer to fate pan out the way it wants to. Oh, I don't know that Aerith needs to die if I've not played the original, so them saving Aerith from the church is like, well, oh, they just saved that, I wonder why that is. Um, I mean, I'll be honest. Because-
2: well, because okay we're not going to go to time travel nonsense here but surely it would always happen it's like a circuit it would just happen as it was intended to happen and when time travel films happen it's because someone's gone back and changed it it's already happened and it's they're just changing something that's already happened so the characters like you said the characters would wouldn't know that it was supposed to happen because it would just happen everything would just happen as it was intended obviously then you're going down the line will turn at timelines oh god it's like Star Trek and Doctor Who well,
1: no, like it, I mean, I, that is the best way to view remake as an alternate timeline um, or but it, it's again it's really difficult not having the actual end of the project we've only got the first chapter in the remake saga and it appears to be taking that direction of changing stuff but at the same time when you're actually playing it and like everything up until that point until the moment you get off the, you know, the Hardy Daytona and chat to Sephiroth, and it goes all timey, wobbly, wobbly, space, fate stuff. It's nothing other than fantastic. Um, everything up until that point in the game is 10 out of 10. Um, I'll be honest, I'm fine with them changing stuff purely based on the characterization of the characters and how much more I feel like I know them compared to Seven. Like, I played Seven. Cloud was kind of blank and generic to me. He was just a bit like, okay, he's a soldier and his memories aren't his, and stuff happened all right and fair enough. Aerith couldn't stand, Tifa I adored, Barrett. seems like a bit of a kind of, you know, Mr. T parody. Sid I thought was great, um, obviously not met in yet. Uh, and then when I'm playing like, Biggs, Wedge and Jesse, they're like footnotes in the story of Final Fantasy Original. They're just, they're there for five minutes and, you know, no one gives a crap. And because of the limitations of the time, when they do die, their deaths don't really mean anything to the, the player because you're like, well, Barrett cares and Tifa cares, but they were there for one mission, and I don't care. Um whereas in this, the three of them, like Wedge, Wedge Biggs and Jesse are amazing. And when they when you get to the plate scene, I deliberately turned the game off to wait and I did so else for half an hour and came back. So I wasn't emotionally prepared to say goodbye to Biggs, Wedge and Jesse yet because of the job this game, the remake does, in letting you get to know them and they're fantastic. Same with Barrett and T for another characters, you get to know them so much better in the fifty hours of Midgar you now get than you did in the original that so I would say even if you're against the story changes play it just for the character just play it just to get to know Wedge, Biggs and Jesse the whole, the three of them, the trio, are obsessed with putting their thumbs up which I don't know if it's like a weird Japanese or like western thing where that doesn't translate over well but in England into to my perspective a grown person putting their thumbs up looks dorky and stupid kind of like you know the deputy head teacher talking to a child tonight. it just doesn't work but when it got to that plate scene and I, their impending doom is there and Wedge gives his thumb up. I was thumb up in the TV. I was like, yeah, Wedge, let's go. Avalanche. And I was completely <laughs> like, it stopped being annoying. I was completely in love with the guys. It was fantastic. I mean, it, he had cats. It was the whole thing. He's just amazing. Jesse is a giant flirt. You find out way more about her backstory, what she did before she joined Avalanche. Um, Biggs has got a very, very, like, hardcore Solid Snake impression going on um but or the just three even like three characters that were nothing in the original game are now a huge part of remake and it's worth playing just for that same as getting to know tifa better um i mean you immediately get to know her quite well in the original but there are more shades added to tifa's character in this than there were in the original again my character area for character i went from despising and like i cheered when she died in the original game when that sword went for her back i was like yeah get her Sephiroth! wow now,
2: that's that's heartless, Ryan. That is heartless. I,
1: I, I hate it because the way it's written or the way I read the original text, is like, I'm one of the ancients, And I thought she was pretentious and stuck up and I couldn't stand her. In the first 25 seconds of meeting her in this game, she's so adorably lovely that I'm just like, okay, fine, take my heart, if it's yours, whatever. Um, so if I can, now having fallen in love with Aerith, if, if I can stop that sword going for her back, you could damn right I give them license to change the fucking story because I don't want her to die now.
0: So, as a a score out of 10, as the only person of the group that's actually played and finished it, what score would you give it? 10. Even with the weird, the fate... I mean, I don't
1: mind the fate stuff. There are three characters you have to fight in the fate bit. And I forgot what they're called. But to me, every single one of them is a clear representation of a future Cloud, Barra and Tifa. Because one of them... The, the, when you scan them, it basically says that they're fighting to protect a future that needs to come to pass, or a future they created, or something. Scan them? What, like, materia scanning? Like a sense? That's it, sense, that's what they call it. it yeah, I'm yeah. playing Final Fantasy 80 minute, so I've my head. You basically, you know, sense them to learn their, like, HP and stuff, and the only details you're told, is that one fights with a sword, one uses their fist, and one uses a gun. And they're clearly, like, fake parallels for Tifa. Cloud and Barrett. And what I'm wondering is maybe when you do get to the end of the game, in the future, have Barrett, Cloud and Tifa realised changing fate was wrong, and then at this point in the game they're actively trying to fight against
0: themselves to stop themselves changing Oh fate.
2: god, you've just you've just but put me up even more now. Good lord. They didn't
0: actually change fate, wasn't it? Sephiroth that did it. Well
1: basically it, it without too many spoilers. The whispers surround the Shinra building. Um special shout out to Rufus's coat. But we'll get onto that in a bit.
2: Um, as you got buckles and belts all over it, I'm going to make yeah, that prediction. To of yeah, okay. of course, it does. Yep. <laughs> um,
1: but essentially, the whispers are trying to stop you doing something, and it looks like they're trying to stop you leaving Midgar, or trying to stop something happening. But it's weird. It's almost as if like the universe knows that Steffroff knows things aren't going to go his way, so he's actually trying to stop fate, and it's trying to stop all of you changing fate. I'll be honest; I don't totally understand it. It's kind of poorly done in the sense of it's all a bit huh and I imagine it won't make sense until you get the next game in the series um, I had to watch Final Fantasy Unions video and they kind of summed it up the best so yeah but it, it doesn't that doesn't change the experience to me um, all the added, all additional stuff was fantastic Roach was a great a character Day was a lot of fun um, I was surprised he wasn't the end game boss I was very surprised to see Sephiroth turn up and um, was like is this actually Sephiroth and um, there's a couple of things in the game where you think it's Sephiroth and people think it's Sephiroth, but it isn't. It's actually one of the failed experiments, which is really, Uh really, really cool. Um, Yeah, that
2: sounds good, because those failed experiments, all they were in the game, the original essentially, was just a load of black blobs in the tavern occasionally or walking across a path going, oh, Sephiroth! And then you talk to them, they'd give you a guard source, and then they fall off a cliff and they're like, oh, they're a waste of bloody time. I know they failed and all, but Jesus Christ... But that's, a, that's I mean? my that's my problem, is that I'll probably enjoy all the, I, well, I'd probably definitely enjoy the expansions to to stuff. But I think I think what my problem with, I've said this before, but my problem is what I want is let's say Final Fantasy 7 is a plate of food, yeah? I want the same, if I like it, I want that plate of food again, but if you can add a bit more, that's nice. But if you brought me some more different food, I'm going to be angry. It's probably the weird food analogy, but i'll probably like you said i probably will enjoy 99 percent of it and that last one percent i might just go which will probably be worse actually because i do enjoy it and i do get into the combat because i had this weird circumstance where we went to egx and i really remember how i was very negative towards the idea as soon as i saw the combat because yep. i didn't like i don't like flashy japanese action combat in rpgs anyway and i came out of egx and i was like the combat was great the camera flips around in fact we did a podcast about the camera flips around it was action-packed and cinematic and it was like get behind cover and i was like this all really works well in bosses but i wonder if it's because the demo was easy because when i played it again when i downloaded my ps4 i didn't enjoy it maybe i wasn't concentrating enough or getting into the actual you know a lot of people said it's not easy i haven't actually given the classic mode a go i probably i'm going to do that tonight actually i will try that tonight but maybe the, what's worse is if I do surely if I do enjoy it and then get to get to that ending I'm not going to be keen on it
1: I mean uh, t- uh, so but until we get the rest of the the remake done or the rest of the game done, I would take the ending of A pinch of Salt because we don't actually know like a lot of it's based on kind of guessing and fear of oh my god they're going to change it for love story but technically they've already done but at the same time until you get the end result it's difficult to really know the the weight that the fate and destiny is actually going to have So I kind of almost ignore that part of it entirely and just say, play 50 hours of Midgar. It's incredible. Um, In terms of the combat, the game's too easy is one part of my only criticism. I probably had about two, no. Let's say, let's refresh, under five game overs for the entire 50, 60 hours I played the game. Um, One came from the first Reno fight where I wasn't really paying attention to what he was doing and all of a sudden I was down. Um, that can happen quite a lot a lot of my game overs were just me not really paying attention to what happening with the other characters and then all of a sudden a fish has put teeth to sleep um, one of those lizards what they're called danging lizard people um, has beat the crap out of Barra and then all sort of a sudden all three are now for Attack Cloud and I'm like shoot shoot um, so I did the, the, the odd game over which just was kind of like I wasn't paying
2: attention but at no but point the, when I was at the original was incredibly easy i said that to you before I've never died I, when I played the original recently I never died once on it well, I think um, the because the original's turn-based
1: combat, it's, it's less distracting. You can't really get distracted from the combat. It's so methodical. It's like, "Right, well, my go, there go, there go. ATB gauges for great, fantastic. Whereas, even though this still has the ATB system, the combat's much more free-flowing and characters act by themselves. So if you do stop paying attention for a second to or aren't really focused on what's going on, you will suddenly find characters are unconscious. But only when you're in crappy spam fights, like when you're walking through an area... And some enemies jump out at you and you're like, oh, okay, I've got to fight these. Because you don't take them seriously as a threat, they can kill you. When it comes down to fighting actual bosses, though, you're so hyper-focused on what you're doing that it's not difficult. And that was kind of frustrating for me a little bit. I was like, I would have liked you know, the first Roche fight to be much more difficult and actually feel like it was two first-class soldiers fighting where it didn't. It just kind of felt like he was there to kind of toy with Cloud a little bit. And then I eventually beat him and was like, okay, fine. I mean, I beat him first time, but the fight drags a little bit.
2: Have you played the com You played the demo, haven't you, Daniel?
1: No. Uh interesting. Uh, I mean, the combat's fine. The com- I like the combat. To me, if they said that the re- the combat system for Seven Remake was the only combat Final Fantasy Final Fantasy was ever going to use again, I'd be fine with it because it's it engaging enough to be fun. It's kind of tactical in the sense of you know queuing people's abilities and working out when you're going to use moves, and it's still got the ATB system. So while you're not stood still doing the same animation over and over, you've still got to wait to actually take your attack or do your ability, which, is, which I like. Um, I mean, I'd definitely say it's worth playing. Just, just Again, just for characterisation. Um, it, it's phenomenal. The score's amazing. Some of the side quests are fantastic. Um, some are a bit MMO fetch and carry, um, but then 15 had that problem, where it was just like, go over there and find this thing and bring it back. And you're like, great, this is what a prince should be doing. Um but there was some stuff like it, it's literally the characters. Cloud, Cloud went from my hand. He's blank emo. I was gonna squall clone, but even though squall can after him. Um, but no, be, Cloud's not like squall. No way. I well, absolutely not based purely on the original. I like squall a lot more than Cloud. Oh my just, god! Because Cloud's That's insane. At, no, because at least at least Cl- uh, squall is kind of like he has feelings. He's no good at expressing them. He just wants to get stuff done. Whereas Cloud's just basically blank. But Squall was
0: dense, though. Like, Quistis, <laughs> like his teacher, goes up to him at the ball and is like, ooh, do you want to come to the secret area? And he's like, oh, what are we going to do? Is it going to be a test? Yeah, I'm not saying he's not dense, but what I'm
1: saying is, as far as characterization, at least Squall, you, you picked the planet personality point, Cloud has almost no personality until the very end of the original game, where it's like, we should try and save the planet. Like, but you know he was
0: created As like a, a blank clone Essentially Like that's part of the story
1: Yeah but this is my point Like he still had no character Like you can't be like His characterless. If he's The fact he's got no personality He's deliberate It doesn't make him any more likable He's just He has no personality But
2: In no the he, remake, no no no. In, in the, no 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 In the first mission of the remake He comes across as a As a money grabbing prick He's just like I don't give a shit what happens to you I'm not talking to you I just want to come here for the money And he has but, to be persuaded by Tifa into sticking around and guilt tripped into it but that's my point her.
1: that's Cloud Cloud's got a personality it's not just I am blank player character I will go along with whatever the, the, you know he just has no personality whereas in remake you, you see the softening of Cloud you know he goes from like this pure mercenary down and but you get that across 50 hours which in the original game pretty much takes right until the fucking end to happen um, Cloud's a sassy little bitch in the remake and it's fantastic you immediately get, to get a sense of ...who Cloud is as a person... ...and his kind of character arc throughout the remake... ...whereas in the original game... ...I felt as if Cloud had zero character... ...up until right at the end where we decided... ...it doesn't matter if I'm just a collection of Zack's nah, ...oh I'll really save the world... <laughs> um, ...yeah I was? disagree as well... ...but that brings me on to my next point... ...speaking of Zack... ...Zack's in the remake... ...and this is yep. where the Destiny... ...timey-wimey stuff gets really interesting... And it's also where I feel like the game's going to lose a huge amount of its fan base. Because unless you've actively experienced as much of the Final Fantasy VII canon, for lack of a better phrase, as you can... Like, if you've just played the original and never played Crisis Core and don't know who Zack is, other than the guy Cloud's memories are based on, you're going to be like, what do I give a shit, this dude's in it? And if you don't know anything about Dirty Cerberus, you're like, what do I care? if you've not read A Way to a Smile or The Turk Side Story, you're not going to care. But there are characters from the novels... That appear in the game,
2: and I was like, Yay, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Um But if you've not read that book, you don't give a shit, she's in there. But I've had this argument with you before that, like, you can't rely on extended universe stuff if it's regardless if you say it's canon or not, it's got should be in the game. You can't have stuff
0: hinting at other story modes and other stories that are told in other forms of media. Nah, it's I disagree on that to begin with. It's okay to include extra characters and things, but it's not okay to expect everyone to be familiar with them and invested in them when they've not appeared in, like, the the game before. By that logic, should... But then then you should never do spin-offs or... No, I'm I'm not saying that you should, like, you shouldn't include them. I'm saying if, say, for example, with Halo, the reason that Halo 5 bombed a bit was because (laughs) they introduced these new characters from the books and expected people playing the game straight off the bat to care about them the same way the people that read the books about. So, like, with Final Fantasy VII Remake, these new characters, I'm going into it with a completely open mind. They can win me over or they can put me off. Like, I'm, I'm completely neutral. But the, the problem would come if they, like you just said, if they expect you to kind of be invested in these characters from the books without taking the time to, to kind of introduce them in the game. I mean, it's it's too... I mean, when you come to, like, Kyrie as an example, she's barely in the game, and when she
1: is in the game, she's not an a central part of her. She's a side quest. Uh, same with... Le- Leslie's a little bit more involved in the actual kind of core plot um, than Kyrie a is. And if you know who those are, characters are and who they go on to be, it's just really nice to see them. They're not an integral part of the actual main character cast story. They're just there.
0: That's absolutely fine. When
1: you get to the end and you see Zach, there's... It gets, it's really hard to explain without actually having a video to show you. But basically, it looks as if in some timeline or somewhere that... It's definitely a separate timeline because it's, bear with me while I try and explain this. As the gang leave Midgar, knowing that they're going to challenge fate and destiny, you see what is essentially the end cutscene of Crisis Core, where Zack's supposed to die and he doesn't... He survives... Walks toward Midgar, he can see the same phenomenon that Cloud and the gang can see in their timeline. Um, and then, there's a Shinra mascot called Stamp, who's like a little beagle dog. And he's... Oh, yeah. He's mentioned in the plot throughout the game. At one point, you like, it actually turns out that Avalanche use it to navigate terrorist attacks by the nose. Line. It's really cool. Um, but after you see Zack survive, uh, a Shinra poster blows past and Stamp's on it, but the dog's a different breed. So you're like, okay, so this is... It's confusing because I'm like, is this Zack from the Crisis Core timeline, from the original game's canon, or is this Zach from a different timeline that I'm gonna get? And then him and Aerith kind of cross paths at the same time, but in different timelines. And Aerith pauses for a moment, as if like she sent Zach, and it's all just very like, wait, what? What the hell's going on? But again, if you've, I mean, like if you don't know who Zach is, you're not
0: gonna ever find shit about that part of the story. So I feel like you'll get to the end and be even more confused. Zack, I think, is a bit of a. A kind of a bad example for that because everyone that's played the remake or the original rather knows that Zack is kind of like integral, an integral part to who Cloud is. And I've not played any of the like expanded games, so I'm not like as as kind of clued up on I mean, him as probably you are. But that's that's where it comes down to how the the developers handle it. If they expect me to kind of go into it knowing as much as you do. It's gotta sink like a lead balloon with me. Whereas if they take the time to introduce it and kind of have like a kind of bring you up to speed with it, then I think it'd be absolutely fine. I mean that's basically a post-credit scene if you were gonna kinda of use a movie analogy. So he doesn't
1: really affect it. I mean <coughs> Excuse me. The The best way I can look at it is that the more Final Fantasy VII can you experience, the more you'll get out of the game. I don't think they treat any of it as essential. Like if you don't know who kiria is. Doesn't matter. You'll see her for a side quest and then she'll disappear. And unless she pops up later in the game, at the very end, you'd have to do, to be fair. You would not like to matter. You're not it's not gonna matter you don't know who she is. I mean from the original doesn't tell you much about Zach. You know you know that he joined Soldier, you know that him and Cloud are part of an experiment and then Cloud had his memory. But you don't you don't need to know who
0: you don't really know Zack. You just know that he was about and somehow that affected Cloud's life. Well, just going back to what you said about the dog. And about the the timeline thing. I don't actually think it's going to be an alternate timeline. I think that's basically their way of saying. Now that the main group have actually kind of broke away from the path that they're supposed to be on. Like various different things are also going to change. So like Zach probably won't realise that the dog has changed. Like so you know if, if you're kind of proceeding through a timeline. And these factors are affecting it outside of your awareness. And things... If you were watching from an external point of view, you'd notice them. Whereas, if you know, like the Mandela effect, well, no, it has to be because the
1: the events unfold at separate times. Clouds, Zach getting to Midgar happens way before Final Fantasy Seven. Like the, the the main the the start point of Final Fantasy Seven, Clouds already Cloud He already has all of Zach's memories. The experiment's kind of gone on and failed, and he's now a mercenary joining Avalanche for this bombing run. The yeah, one of the characters
2: would have to know. Else, it would yeah. just be—it'd be just weird because, like, Cloud would have to be aware he's in an alternate timeline. If he's not in a timeline, then it's just a then that then the story is just a retelling, isn't it? It's just an alternate version of the story. But that would yeah. make less sense because it's actively told you it's changed the story. So yeah. it's definitely point?
1: meant to be hinted at as like a—is this a different timeline, different? But I mean, it, it's weird. And again, we're all kind of discussing it from a point of. The story's not finished yet, so it's hard to kind of criticise it too much because we haven't got the finished product. But, yeah, it's weird, it's confusing, the end is controversial. Uh, I don't really feel like... I think people have overreacted massively to the changes because until you see the final product, you don't know if it's
0: going to matter. Without actually having played it, I mean, I would say I'm, I'm quite satisfied with what I think they've done. And I'm actually quite looking forward to the next instalment to see where they go next.
1: Yeah, me too. I mean, I'm more excited that this gives Square creative freedom so that, say we get two more games in the remake project, I'm more excited that they've got the freedom to do what they want to do and surprise me and challenge me in ways that I'm not going to be expecting because I'm sure the core story beats are going to be the same and because it is in I mean, all the key points up until that point are exactly the same exactly what you'd expect you know the plate yeah. collapsed certain things don't unfold the way they do in the original story but all the actual story beats are the same up until that one point um so yeah i mean if, if i was going to recommend you play the original or the remake i'd say play the remake admittedly you only be playing yeah. the first six hours of the original you'll be playing 50 hours of the remake but purely based on the way it's delivered, the characters, the overall experience. Yeah, especially nowadays, like if we're going back to being teenagers and playing the turn-based RPG, fair enough, because it's what you... Final Fantasy VII was what you got at the time, but expecting someone of like my little brother's age to pick up a 20-year-old Japanese turn-based RPG and, and get anything out of
2: it, I think
1: it's asking a bit too much.
2: But, yeah, you can't, but then you can't you ask them to play a small chunk of a game that's playing through an established story, and then the story itself is saying, oh, this is not how the original story goes. It'd just be weird. they will just, just be like, what's going on?
0: This is a very square thing to do, but what's the betting that they release the original Final Fantasy VII as a movie, like a companion movie, to go with the remake? So like those that haven't played the original can watch the version of events that is supposed to happen and then play the games around that? I don't think I think
1: Square we're honestly assuming that 99.9% of the people that buy Remake love Final Fantasy VII. Or, you know, a couple of people that have never played the original and are absolutely loving every single second of Remake, but it comes back to the old phrase of ignorance is bliss. If you don't know shit's being changed, you're not going to worry about it. You don't have that kind of bias fan base in your mind of, I love the original, please don't change it. You just get to so enjoy the experience. the game's telling you shit's being changed. It's not. It, you, you're not. You're only aware that this is different to the original because you played the original. At no point does the game go nudge, nudge, wink, wink. It, all you know is that the Whisperers are the guardians of fate and that they're making sure things are proceeding as they're supposed to. So all you're aware of, extra from the original, is that fate is an entity, essentially, and it's trying to Yeah, like to, it has a will of its own. Yeah, it's trying to keep its, its plan on track. At no point does the game nudge you and be like, haha, this is where in the original game you'd have had this happen. It's just
0: fate's trying to keep fate on track and all you know at the that end of the day. that being said though spoiler warning again but doesn't Cloud when he has his headaches doesn't he have memories of the version of events that should take place yes
2: I am going to so yeah hang on he... hang on hang on but you're saying if fate is only changing what's supposed to happen and, but it's but the ending has gone into an alternate the se- timeline. Then the second game is gonna be cloud and or someone going, haha! This is wait, this is different. This feels different. My time, but, oh, yeah. my flashbacks. But this builds on Daniel saying just it's not acknowledging the original. Surely you're saying the, it's not acknowledged the original? This, from now on, it's gonna. The, it, because like you said before, they're gonna be like, oh, this is supposed to happen. Well, you wouldn't know that haven't happened, happened if you haven't played the original. For it, it
1: it's not like Deadpool. The game doesn't have a character turn around and you know go, haha! This didn't happen last time, but. But then, when Cloud has his headaches, uh, you see Aerith die. You see Cloud putting him in the pool. Now you don't actually see it. None of it's explicit. But if you've played the original game, you know exactly what's going on when you see, like, seeing Aerith on her knees at that camera angle, immediately brings back memories of her getting killed. You know, seeing someone getting placed in a pond, you know, are like, okay, that's that bit. Like, it's there's Cloud sees these beats, but they mean nothing to Cloud. He doesn't know what they are. He's just going like,
2: ah, headache, ow. are oh, then... the flashbacks in the original graphics because that would be really funny they're not Damn. <laughs> they're not unfortunately oh but, well I mean See, that's a missed opportunity to me I'd be perfectly happy with sections where Final Fantasy Remake Cloud is watching the original and he's like oh why do I look all funny and it's like the original graphics to I'd fact, probably enjoy like, that more
1: in Metal Gear 4 when Snake has a flashback and yeah, if you're good back to
2: the original. Oh, no. you can
1: <laughs> yeah, you can play the entire original Metal Gear Solid while playing Metal Gear 4 like, that was amazing. So, I get why you'd like that. Um, Again, weird that I've just thought of Metal Gear because it's the second time you remember thinking of it today. Because Daniel mentioned that Final Fantasy VII was, like, the best game of its time. And my yeah. brain went, nah, Metal Gear's better. <laughs> Cause... Mm. But now they're kind of, they're more in sync, because they've both got confusion as fuck stories. They've both got brown-haired, like, heroes with headbands. Biggs. Biggs looks like he's doing a solid snake impression so hard for this entire game. Every time he appears, I'm like, huh? Metal Gear. Because he just looks like Snake. Great. Jesse. I mean, again, I keep going back to it. Characters. Like, it... At at, at this point, I'm kind of like, fuck the plot. I don't care. Just give me more character. I don't... Like, 13. I love Final Fantasy 13. And I like a lot of the characters in the game. But the overall plot of the game, I don't give a fine shit about it, it. It's the characters I like. It's the same with the majority of games. The plot's the plot. The plot's just essentially there and drags the characters around. It's characters I fall for. I mean... I've been reading comics since I was a kid and the amount of times they have repeated plot point or pretty much entire stories but it's the characterization. like I've watched Batman defeat the Joker or watched read Batman defeat the Joker hundreds of times yet when Tom King did it it
0: was amazing because the characterization of Bruce and the Joker in it was better than, <laughs> than I'd seen before so for me it's interesting that you'd say that because I think that's where we're in different camps like the reason I say Final Fantasy 7 was one of the best games of its time If not the best, was because of the story. Like, regardless of what it is, like, characters I think need to be done well, but the story is ultimately what I play games for. Tell me a good story with shit graphics, and I'll still be happy with it. I mean, I would argue that the main plot points of Final Fantasy VII are interesting. I wouldn't say it's a particularly fantastic story. Um... I never really knew what to expect, though, because I mean, going back to when I was like 15. And it's like you start off and Shinra are the enemy. Then Rufus is the enemy. Then Sephiroth's the uh, the enemy. But then he's got like a big overarching plan. And it just takes so many twists and turns.
1: Yeah, I get that. I mean, I don't know. It's a tough one. I think a lot of people love Final Fantasy VII as much as they do. Because it was the first JRPG or the first Final Fantasy game they played. Um, And as such, it has this kind of like nice nostalgic kind of get out of jail
2: free card. I'm actually surprised there hasn't been more negativity about the ending.
1: I think I think if you, from what I've seen of the negative reaction, it's it's people in Neil's position who love the original, haven't played Remake, and have heard about the ending, and they're like, how dare you? Or, or, you know, like, rightly indignatious or being pride your fanboys, whatever you want to call them. They're upset, but they've not experienced the game. Everyone I know who's played the game, like, like my friend Laura, adores Final Fantasy 7. It's easily her favourite game of all time. She's Loves it the same way Daniel does. She uh, like she's played the Cerberus, She's played Crisis Core. She's read that like anything Final Fantasy Seven related. Laura has. Um, she loves it. She's like, she understands why it's controversial. She thinks it was brave, but she's more than happy to experience the remake as it's more Final Fantasy Seven. If anyone was going to have like a negative reaction to any changes, I would imagine it would be her. Except when she played it and finished it, she messaged me saying, "I can't wait for you to get the ending." I'm intrigued. I think you'll hate it. I think it's really brave and quite exciting. And then I got to the end and I was basically in the exact same camp as her. I was like, yep, this is really cool. I feel like I'm... because there's there's enough nostalgia and enough, for lack of a better phrase, fan service within within remake to make it feel like yes, the people making this air and they understand how much I like the original game. But at the same time that I like also ex- you know, expect us as creative people To want to make something else or to to change things so we have some kind of
2: creative freedom within it? Let me ask you a question in theory. If Final Fantasy VII Remake was a solid remake that was beat for beat like the original, but the timey-wimey stuff happened at the or just the timey-wimey stuff was in it, so you didn't have any expansions of characters or side quests or Jesse and Biggs, blah blah blah, Would would people be angry if they were going through the carbon copy but then the story was the only thing being changed?
1: Uh, I think yeah, I think if the, the only addition or change was the time of Roma shit, I would probably say you had more of a leg to stand on with being upset that it's changed because that's the only change that's in there. But I still can't weigh up in my head how people can be like, well, we're going to go on an entirely separate mission to attack Shinra warehouses that wasn't in the original game. And we'll, well, during that mission, we'll meet Jesse's parents. And when we meet Jesse's parents, we'll find out this thing about this. Oh, and while we're doing that, we'll get attacked by this character. That doesn't exist anywhere else in Final Fantasy VII canon. He's not in Dirty Cerberus, he's not in Crisis Core, he's not in any of the books. He's entirely new for this game. That's okay. But don't put the fate shit in there. To me, it's a bit like, well, stop whinging that shit's changed. Look, all I've heard complaints about is the timey-wimey shit and the fate stuff. And not, this has changed. Like, what well, if the, surely, if the original is so sacred and so important to you, adding a character should be just as blasphemous as putting fate in it. Because it's a different and it's a change. So it seems kind of almost hypocritical to be like, well, no, it's okay to change things I want you to change, but don't change things I don't. But again, like my earlier point, the only criticisms I'm really hearing are from people who've not played it and know that the time of Rhyme shit, everyone who's played it seems to be like, yeah, good, cool, carry on. Because while it's very similar to the original and while it's hitting all the right points as the original, it's clear when you're playing it that this is a different game. But similar enough to still be the thing you love.
0: Check, you know, I'd absolutely I prefer them to do what they've actually done as well. Because I mean, it, I, I just can't stress enough. I've said it a few times. If I was playing a carbon copy of the story, fundamentally, the only thing new about it would be that it looked prettier. So there'd be nothing new for me in there. It look In pretty. that instance, I may as well just play the original.
1: I completely. Agree. Like I'm playing Final Fantasy VIII for the first time right now. I'm, like 25 hours in. It's the Steam re-release, so everyone. Well, I actually, I think it's been remastered since then. Yeah, it's even it's an even to remaster of that remaster. It looks a lot prettier than it originally did. It's actually frustrating because the character models look fantastic, but most of the backgrounds and like the environments are the same render as they were originally. So working out parts of the environment you can actually interact with are a freaking nightmare. Like when you're in the missile base and you've got to press buttons on the wall, like they look like ordinary parts of the background and it's it's frustrating but i'm not enjoying that story and those characters any less because it looks like a 20 year old game i mean a lot of it i think it comes down to like fan types and if if you like rpgs and her long story based games you tend to be more forgiving of graphical stuff anyway as long as you're getting a decent story with characters that are interesting whereas if you you know if your main games are a driving game and a shooter you're probably going to be quite critical of graphics because there's not much substance there aside from visuals.
2: Well, I guess we'll have to wait and see, won't we? I, I mean, I'll give it a play eventually. I have a PS4. You've got a copy. There's probably going to get hundreds of copies second-hand shops. Uh, Daniel, you've, you've, got to, you've got to play it on one of ours. So, I mean, I don't know. Like I said, we'll, we'll see, won't we?
1: It's the first game on PS4 I've been tempted to try and platinum. I don't care about trophies in the slightest. But this one, I was like, oh, I should try and platinum this because um, when you finish the game you want like hard mode um, and on hard mode you can't use items just at all so you really 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 need to be on the ball with your ATB gauge and who's got what material equipped how in. do
2: you how do you refresh HP and MP outside of battles uh, it's really random there are vending machines
1: where you can buy items and next to the vending machines there are benches and Cloud sits on the bench and then all your HP and MP come back um, okay right it's, it's quite funny because it's a really little detail but when Cloud sits on the, the bench, he has to adjust his sword um, so he can actually sit down. It's same when he stands back up. And I got sent a message by a friend of a friend um, who is playing Remake with his wife. And he was like, Do you think that Cloud taking off his sword is the same feeling as when women take their bra off after a long day at work, where he gets home <laughs> and just goes, oh.
0: Ah!
1: And I, I was in bits when I saw that message. Uh, but yeah, like, there's so much nice stuff. With animations and little things like that. I mean, Daniel said the game looks nice. It looks stunning. There are there times where I would just stand still and just be like, look, look at this, look at this game. It looks fantastic.
2: Tifa's abs. Oh. Okay, we need yeah. to talk about the cross-train scene. It, it, I think we have to talk about that.
1: It was as if, I mean, you all know I'm big fans of RuPaul's Drag Race. It was as if Square directly reached into my brain and went, how can we make Ryan like this game more? I know, we'll camp the shit out of this bit. It was fantastic. So. At one point, any time you walk through Wall Market with a female character, people comment, and I got really like, like feminist about it. Like, at one point, someone was like, hey baby, how you doing? And I'm like, you fucking leave Aerith alone. You shut the fuck up. Oh, and got Daniel, annoyed. Ryan was getting, Daniel Ryan was getting triggered. I was getting triggered. Like, when Aerith's in her, like, one of her many dresses, because, for some reason, you're not in the original, you would collect the minimum free items to put Cloud in drag, but if you got all the items, like all, was it 9 or 12? You would... Cornelia would pick Cloud and then you'd get, you know, yay. That would happen. You only get one dress each, but based on certain dialogue choices you make earlier in the game and certain actions you take, it affects the dresses that Cloud, Tifa and Aerith are wearing when you go to the Dunn's mansion. Really, really, really small tweak and change. Kind of pointless, but fair enough. But Aerith's in her fancy dress. And at this point, there's been no mention of Cloud going in drag. You're just trying to get Aerith in there. And then when you get there you really get a sense that it's not safe to be in there alone. So Cloud's like, I'm going in. And Eros like, don't worry, I've got a plan. And then she drags you to the honeybee inn. Um, and they keep lots of little things in the original. So when you're in the little main room, you can peek through doorways and keyholes and see what people are up to, um, which is quite funny. Uh, but then you get to this scene, and it turns into a rhythm game. There's a dance section where Cloud and Andrea are dancing around, and like button prompts will appear on the screen. You've got to press yeah. them in time. It's a and quick time yeah, good times. And if you do well enough, you get like pointless rewards. Like, you know, games like in not in Final Fantasy nine, you can get like the uh, rewards for like skipping two hundred times and winning races with like VB and stuff that don't actually affect the game, but they're in your inventory to be like, look, if I wanted to show someone, I could load my game and show them that I've done it. You basically do stuff like that. So if you do well enough in the dance stuff, Andrea would give you his earrings, and they're just sitting in your inventory and they're completely useless. But you get them. That part of the game is amazing. It's gone from basically two seconds of Claire putting on a dress on some triangles to this giant flamboyant dance number where there's an entire audience watching Aeris in the cloud and what she says in her bits is based on how well you're doing. Like at one, The first time I did it, I was awful at it because I was so blown away by all the theatricality of it. But like, the circle like, button prompt is heading towards where it needs to be for me to hit it. And I'm going, go, cloud it's your birthday, go Cloud, it's your birthday, and it's like completely missing the prompts And it cuts to Aerith and she's like, well, you're trying Cloud and I'm like,
2: you're <laughs> we doing really crap.
1: Yeah, so I reloaded it because, you know, if I'm not going to fail a dance-off with Cloud. So I reloaded my checkpoint. No, of
2: course not. The sentence that your daughter in the remake.
1: Was doing much, 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 much better than the dance-off at this point, at which point, when it cut to Aerith, her and the beast that we were all cheering and she's like, Cloud, you're a star and it, it, just little things like that just made it, it was amazing the whole scene was fantastic going to the Don's Mansion is a bit more boring because there's no if and not or maybe he's picking Cloud um, there's nothing you can do to you know, there's no danger of picking anyone no else he picks Cloud um, mm.
2: Daniel there's a selling point there's more drag uh, more cross-dressing and drag competitions in the new remake
0: yeah it's only a selling point for Ryan really though isn't it it is well, true it is true there's a sensual scene where Cloud gets
1: a hand massage And the way the camera's positioned, um, it's almost suggestive that the character isn't massaging Cloud's hand. Um, It's so weird. Um, She's just giving Cloud a hand massage, and she's like, and then you put pressure here and press just the right place, and Cloud's going, ooh, ooh. And she's like, oh, and it, it's just like, what am I watching? It gets very Japanese all of a sudden. Well, I'm like, well, I, I was glad my girlfriend was out of the house during that scene. Cause I would like, uh, <laughs> she gives me enough funny looks as it is without seeing that scene happening. But, yep, yeah, that's the thing. I think that's the point. Like, yes, there's the want me change at the end, but there's
0: also a giant dance routine, McLeod. I'm all for the original timeline kind of deviating from what it was supposed to be because I'm looking at Final Fantasy VII, the original, as... Purely, um, like, setting up this as, like, so it's nothing more than it's telling you what fate should be. Whereas this one, I don't want them to go. There's two different timelines running parallel, taking place at the same time. For the most part, it seems as if the is progressing exactly the same. But
1: then Wedge originally survives the plate, I'm not sure what happened to him at the actual end, but Big survives the plate collapse as well.
0: If Zach is aware that the dog has changed, that will kind of imply that he's conscious that things are changing as they go, whereas if he doesn't realise it's changed, and he's looking at it as if it's always been that way, it's like time and the version of events are changing as they unfold, without any kind of like, you know, awareness of this alternate version of events that should be taking place. The best thing is that um, if Fate and destiny permeate
1: every single timeline in existence. Things are happening in certain timelines that Fate doesn't want to happen, and that's basically what Cloud and the gang are doing. Um, but it, again, until we get a proper explanation for the next game, it's going to be really difficult to tell.
2: Well, and that's where it's difficult, isn't it? You've got to wait for a full telling of a story to really have a full view in it. I think it works a bit differently than films and just with games. But I don't know, what should we do? Do another Final Fantasy 7 podcasting? 48 years when all the parts are out. I think we'll wrap up there. Obviously, we're all played at some point. It's difficult to get out and talk to each other at the current time um, or even go to get your copy. But, but you know what? We've we've spoken massively about Final Fantasy VII just today. So we'll, we'll think of some more subjects for next week that can introduce... Because obviously, it'd be a bit more, it's been a bit very heavy on Ryan because he's the only one who's played it. But that's fine because he's the expert at the moment. Um, if you want to hear more from Ryan, though, you can watch his, you can uh, watch his comments, read his comments and reviews at Game Hype. And if you want to hear more from Daniel, you can follow his Facebook and YouTube page, Second City Serpent. So, what well, do I think we should all say goodbye now? Any final points, Daniel? You want to make on the remake? Are you looking forward to it, um, or has Ryan put you off? Or
0: not? No, I'm I'm pretty much the same as, as when I started this podcast. Really, that I'm quite optimistic about it and I, I I like what they seem to have done with it so far
2: and Ryan we all know you, it's a 10 for you aren't you yeah 10 out of 10 10 out of 10 for me I think as Ryan as Daniel said I think I'd always be the more negative light on it I suppose I'm a purist where Daniel's more open to the changes I think depending on what they are and Ryan's more than happy for the changes but we're never going to change and you can find out on the next Critical Gigs <music>